Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Under Review Show. Of course, it is me, Damon D, hanging out with you. Uh, we got to get into this weekend here. We got to get into a big weekend. Of course, uh, you didn't see me last week, um, so you know, some due to some technical difficulties, uh, wasn't available. But now I'm here, and uh, and and it's like nothing has changed. We're all friends again, and uh, and we're moving on. And uh, we got a big UFC event to talk. To you about, of course, the interview show uh, hits you up Wednesdays, Fridays. We're doing a Thursday show because we've got a special guest here, but I will be back Friday, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this weekend's NFL. Of course, uh, we are brought to you by the good people of BetOnline.ag. That's where we get all of our odds and lines and uh, and insight, too, because they let me pick their brain about stuff, uh, which is a lot help- more helpful than a lot of shows will give you. Uh, we're not just picking shows. We, uh, we're kind of insiders, but not insiders. We're part of the family. We're in the trust tree, though we may not be like a member of the club, so to speak. Um, and that's a good thing about the Under Review Show and what you'll find here every single week. Now, um, let's get into it because there's a, there's a gentleman that we uh, that we love to have on the show, uh, works with us uh, a lot. Um, he is a an MMA uh, journalist. Uh, he uh, he's he's a world renowned. He's from all over the world, world-renowned MMA journalist, uh, Sandu MMA, hanging out on the Under Review show today because uh, UFC 254 is coming up in two days. Two days, and we got to figure this thing out, man. How are you doing, Sandu? I'm good, Damon. It's been a minute, but I'm glad to be back on talking UFC with you. This is a huge one. This is this is a big one. We have fight night cards all the time. We have pay-per-views, and then sporadically throughout the year there will be a few special events events that transcend outside of the hardcore mma fan base the casual fans the general sports fan is going to be tuning in this weekend it's khabib namagamedov versus justin gaethje and khabib is i would say in my opinion arguably within the top two perhaps top three draws superstars that the ufc has conor mcgregor obviously being number one and then I think the number two and number three spot is probably jostling between Jorge Masvidal and Khabib Nurmagomedov. And so we've seen Conor fight at the beginning of the year against Donald Cerrone in January. We saw Jorge Masvidal uh, come up short against Kamaru Usman over the summer. And here we are, Khabib Nurmagomedov. He's making his return. This is the first time he's fighting in 2020. He's been through a lot. I'm fired up. I think fight fans are fired up. And I can't wait to talk to you about this main card. Yeah, we're going to go through the whole main card together. And uh, we're going to do something that we always do with uh, with Sandy. We make him make his picks. We actually, we give him some virtual, we give him his virtual billion dollars. And uh, and he can virtually bet that with me here. Um, and then we, what we do is then we, we, we drag him across the coals. And we tell him yeah. what he did and what he didn't do. By the way, he did pretty good though. So... Overall, I appreciate that. it's it's yeah. Well, I mean, so you you you, you got to appreciate yourself. I, I I let you do the picks. I do not influence you in any way based on what I know and what I think. And uh, we just run with it and see what you do. And you're 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 pretty damn good. I think our last UFC, last two UFCs, I think you were, um, I think you went like four and one and uh, three and two, which made you money. Um, I think yep. the last one we had a bunch of underdogs, just like. I think the two ones were underdogs, so you just we lost a bunch of money. But it was uh, uh, you, you do pretty good on the picking thing because it's di- it's different um, when you're actually putting money on stuff and seeing how you net out after the course of of an entire card of betting on it, right? You know, yeah, absolutely. You, and this is like the most unpredictable sport in the world. It totally, there are so many facets to it. There's so many ways you can win, you can lose. That's what makes the sport so special, and what makes betting on it so much fun. Yeah, and I remember we picked. I think it was two UFCs ago. We picked two underdogs on the card. Like, not major underdogs. It wasn't like, holy shit, this guy's going to, like, do it. But you were, I remember, you were just like, yo, don't sleep on this dude. And we nailed both of those. And you, in, in the the net total at the end of it, it was like, crushed it because we yep. hit those underdogs. And that's not what you have to do to make money, um, but it happens so often. And you have to, you, got, you, you know that some underdogs are going to hit. And you just yep. got to be smart enough to figure out... Uh, uh, who they are. Hey, I want to talk a bit about like kind of the state of mixed martial arts, just in your opinion right now, you know, because we talk about this and we go like, holy shit, UFC 254 um, and Khabib's on it. And it's like, yo, Khabib is like the draw. Um, and then, and then I start thinking, I'm like, well, what, what, what's the other draw? What's one of the, the next division 
big like draw that I'm thinking of. And I'm like, I just stop thinking about it. Like, I guess there's Connor who, but we don't know what the hell goes on with that dude. Right. From week to week. It's right. like, it's like, he's, is he retired? Is he, does he, does it matter? Um, you know, there's that, uh, Connor is, is, is a questionable member. Uh, but who else is it? Like, who are the, who are the real draws? Where like four or five years ago, pretty much every division you had somebody, um, in, in, in each division you were like, yeah, that's the guy. That's the girl. Bang, bang, bang. Um, but right now, like, what, what is your hierarchy? What is the what is the pantheon of pay-per-view buys right now in the UFC? Um, apart from Connor, let's take him out because we just know and he's, he's unpredictable. But who, who really is it? Who's our top, like, three to five guys? And let's talk about how they compare to what it was like four years ago or five years ago or ten years ago. Yeah, sure. So I think the, the majority of them are kind of in that, 155 170 pound weight class like they're at they're between lightweight and welterweight and of course i'm talking about khabib Nurmagomedov. i'm talking about jorge masvidal i'm talking about nate diaz who hasn't fought in about a year now he last fought uh, jorge masvidal a year ago in madison square garden for the bmf belt but that was a blockbuster event and so i would still categorize him uh, within my top five draws in the ufc and then outside of those guys i i think israel adesanya had a real breakthrough year this year yeah. his last two fights performed ridiculously well the traffic was insane especially his last fight against paulo costa because here were two guys coming into the fight had a lot of hype behind them were both undefeated and israel adesanya arguably put on the best performance in his mixed martial arts career and then when you couple that with kind of everything else he's been doing in and outside of the octagon, he's a real superstar for these guys. And then when you compare it to years gone by, I think the division that really, or the the, the two divisions that right now really need someone is light heavyweight and heavyweight. And I'm going to yeah. say heavyweight with a bit of an asterisk, but when we talk about light heavyweight right now, John Jones is no longer there. Yeah, He's left the division. He, he relinquished the belt. He's moved up to heavyweight. So right now, in the light heavyweight division, you have a champion called Jan Blahovic, who isn't a household name <laughs> in North America. He's a, he's, a, he's a fantastic and a brilliant <laughs> fighter from Poland, but he's not going to be shifting pay-per-views. That's just uh, the cold, it? harsh reality of the situation. And then at heavyweight... We had a, a big year for Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier. They finally had that trilogy fight. They ended that rivalry, ended that saga. But even Stipe Miocic historically hasn't been the biggest draw. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to put an asterisk on the heavyweight division is because you have some potential guys who could one day become the UFC heavyweight champion right. and become a bona fide, legit draw. And the two guys in the running for that spot right now is John Jones. Obviously, he's bulking up right now, and it looks like in 2021, he'll be making his heavyweight debut. Whether he fights for the, the championship immediately or has a, a warm-up fight, that remains to be seen. And then the other guy is the Predator, Francis Ngannou, mm -hmm. who is kind of like the closest thing the UFC has ever had to a Mike Tyson-esque knockout power beast of a, of a fighter. And he's got a, a win streak going. He's fought Stipe Miocic before. He wants that rematch. He is a legit fighter who could become the UFC heavyweight champion and become, you know, that baddest man of, on the planet and take that mantle forward. And, uh, and you know, people would want to pay to see him knock some more dudes out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting. And you're, you're absolutely right. There's like a few factors, though, that like have to align for you to become like from just like the, the biggest draw in the UFC today to what could be considered a super duper star. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, that's what we have. There's like, yeah, there's guys, you're going to be the best draw uh, in the, if you're, if you're, if the top guy retires, you're, there's a next guy in line who's going to draw better than, than the rest. And you'll always be a number one, but um, there's a few things you need. So you need like a long ass winning streak, you know? And, and, yeah. and, uh, and Khabib is a really good example of this, Working slash not working. Because this this MF is 28 and 0. You know, right. this is like... Anderson Silva wasn't even 28 and 0. You know what I mean? Like, th this is an uncanny number. And I don't feel like his hype comes even close to his actual credibility as a fighter. Which, you'd put that and wrap that around some other fighters 
and and they would be meteorically. Now, obviously, he doesn't speak English. Um, he's a super humble dude. He's not that brash. Like he does a little smack talk, but it's nothing crazy. You know what I mean? Not a very you know as marketable to North Americans as as a lot of other guys. But you know what I mean? You wrap that into like a George Saint Pierre, who was this good looking, even though his English was was bad. He was super charismatic. This guy was like a super duper star because of because of what he did. And we don't see that. You look at the heavyweight division, you go. Brock Lesnar, I guess, would be, would you say he was the biggest draw ever in the history of heavyweight? Obviously yes, brought, brought crowds from other places, but there you go. That's the pantheon, right? Um, and it's it's interesting to see, like, the factors that go into it is you need to not lose for a very, very long time, right? you got to seem untouchable. Um, you also have to be charismatic and probably good looking, you know, and good, good, good on the, on the, on the internets. Um, like, you know, can't lose can't lose got to be good on the internet and um and the last factor is you have to transcend outside of the mma community when you look at a guy like adesanya who is starting to do that right like like people's moms knew george st pierre's name people's moms don't know who adesanya is right like they wouldn't be maybe who the fuck's this guy um right. and, and that's like the last little little thing john jones could do that i think but not for the right reasons um same with conor mcgregor Right, he's doing it, but he just he just he's done it a different way. But it's hard to look like if I look at Francis and Ganu, um, uh, you know, you play with fire when you're the knockout guy in heavyweights too, right? Like that's that's tough. You could just go on a three fight losing streak pretty quickly when you just bang in there with these guys. You know, it's like it's really tough. But it's it's like I look at these guys and I go, do I see somebody who is not going to lose for a very long time, who's going to be this charismatic, good looking person who's awesome on Twitter, um, and then can transcend. Can my buddy Steve's mom go, oh, I know that guy. Like that's the, for me, that's the moment. You know what I mean? That you like, you like twist over there. And I guess maybe if, we, if we're looking at it, it's like Adesanya is probably the next one if he can continue doing what he's doing. He's super yep. friendly and he's like, you know, you, you, your kids, you want your kids to be a fan of him. John Jones as a, as a heel, I guess could do that. And Ganu, I'm not sure about. I don't know, like, he's a really nice guy, apparently, but, like, does he, does he fit that criteria? Um, and who else? I don't feel like in the, in the, in the smaller divisions, there's somebody that I can name like that. And, uh, and besides John Jones in the heavyweight division and, and, and Ganu, like, is there anybody you see that might fit those three criteria better in some of these bigger, more flashy divisions? Well, I think long term, you have to be looking at Hamzat Shemaev. Hamzat Shemaev mm -hmm. has been the breakthrough star mm -hmm. for the UFC this year. He's currently 9-0. He's fought for the UFC three times this year. And I can tell you, just looking at the metrics and kind of the traffic that I see on a daily basis, yeah. this guy is resonating with people. Oh, no He's way. kind of like a bigger version than Khabib. You know, he fights at welterweight and middleweight. And he just has this persona of I'll fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. And the UFC have essentially been, that. you know, yeah. giving him whatever he wants. He's going to be fighting one more time before the year is up. And it's going to be a five round main event slot on a fight night card. So that's going to be a real good test to see where he's at in terms of, you know, handling that spotlight. And he's going to get a, a ranked opponent for the very first time as well. So if you look into see, you know, who could potentially in 2021, in 2022, you know, crossover, resonate and, and maybe become a draw for the UFC, he's one I would definitely keep my eye on. Um, but outside of the criteria that you just mentioned, things like an undefeated winning streak and things like that, sometimes you just have the unknowns. Like you have guys like Nate Diaz and Jorge Mazda, yeah, yeah, yeah. who for the most part of their careers were just journeymen. They have double-digit losses on their record, and then all of a sudden something happens, and it's not something that you can prepare for or kind of look into your crystal ball and predict. Something happens. They just flip a switch. They do some incredible things both in the cage, on the microphone, on social media, and then all of a sudden – they get hype built around them. And then, you know, people want to see them fight. I mean, Jorge Masvidal is the classic story. A couple of years ago, you wouldn't have considered him a massive draw in this sport. He's someone in his late 30s, double-digit losses. And then here we are. We're talking about a guy that's been headlining UFC pay-per-views. They've been performing ridiculously well. He's fighting for championships. He's a household name. And, you know, outside of, like, you know, just appealing to, you know, the casual um, sports fan and the hardcore MMA fan base – You've got guys like him that are kind of appealing to a completely different demo, the Latino market. Yeah. Going back to Adesanya, he, and, and I, don't think, I don't think a lot of people know this, he is tapping into the gaming community, mm -hmm. the anime 
totally. community, the manga community. And like, so whenever you can bring an audience to watch you fight that doesn't typically watch fights, that's a massive X factor. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know what? Maybe I have to kind of rephrase the like undefeated thing because you just have to win for a, it's a very long time generally, like for for years. You, you just need right. to be there and haven't lost. And you need to turn that into an aura of invis, invincibility about you. Yes. It's a weird thing. So it doesn't, yeah. Uh, obviously, 28-0 is the best way to do it. But yeah, a Masvidal um, style, like like a fighting where guys do, where they, they just come out and everybody just goes, oh, this guy's just untouchable right now. You're He's, bang on the money here. Yeah. Because that's exactly the year Jorge Masvidal had yeah. in 2019. He started the year by knocking out Darren Till in London. He then has the fastest knockout in UFC history by kneeing Ben Askren's face on the big July 4th card in Las Vegas. And then he ends the year fighting Nate Diaz for the BMF belt, winning the championship in Madison Square Garden. So you're absolutely right. You need a a winning streak that creates hype. You don't have to be completely undefeated for your entire career, but you absolutely need to have a run of wins that mean something for people to get behind you. Yeah, totally. And it's that aura that comes off of you just being like, oh man, like just he's untouchable and he's yeah. going to crush this guy. That's the feeling that people have to get hyped about. And that's when you begin to transcend. I think you're right. I think we're both, Adesanya is going to be the next big thing. He's just got to keep winning. He's got to hit all three of these criteria. You know, yep. He's got three right now, but, uh, but the factor is you got to win for a long time. You just got to yep. be around forever. George St. Pierre was just, just didn't lose forever. And you just couldn't help but hear about him. And it just slowly went on. Adesanya, if he gets, you know, another year or two of some great wins under his belt, keeps the belt. Um, we're going to hear, he's going to be a household name. He's going to do commercials. You know, remember guys were doing like Gatorade commercials on like actual national like TV you know, for a time. We're not seeing that much yeah. anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like McGregor's got his, got his whiskey. But, um, but, but you know, that, that's how it was for a time where they, that's what the transcend, where they're like Wheaties box MFs here. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I could talk about this all day. I just love, I love it. <laughs> Let's get into this fight card, okay? Uh, UFC 254 um, at, at the, you know, at the Flash Forum, at, at, at in the, in the, in the bubble, right? In the MMA bubble. Uh, we're going to go through five fights here. We're going to give you 50 bucks for every single fight to put some um, some way. If we want to parlay a couple together, we can. We're not going to do. We're going to do five straight up bets. Um, and we're going to start with um, um, Magomed Ankalaev versus, uh, I, is it Ion? You always do a great job pronouncing these names and it always messes me up because I don't like, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't care. I know so that it's, you, it's, you love pronouncing this shit properly don't you like you I, you always pra i can tell that you practice you want to do it <laughs> go go with it, this one here we're gonna do this uh this is the light heavyweight um main card opening bout yeah so we've got magomed ankalaev versus eon kutalaba <laughs> oh it's, and so this, there's, a lot, there's this yeah, little there's thing underneath the t that i'm like what do i do with the t it's like a little tail yeah. on the bottom of the t i'm like what do you say with that is that like does it turn it into the an f like it drives, and then I just move on from it. When I see those yeah, things, no, I, I just go, you. fuck it. I go, Luckily you. for me, I consume so much of this sport that I've heard his name pronounced a million times. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm, exactly. I'm pretty familiar with it. Let's but, head to um, bed online yeah. here. Let's head to bed online and check out what the odds are for, um, for yeah, this yeah, yeah. matchup here. Um, of course, uh, once again, guys, uh, bet online is where we get our odds from betonline.ag. You can head there and, uh, and they'll, uh, um, use the promo code review. If you want to throw some money in your account, you'll get a little extra bonus, uh, just for signing up and listening to me and Sandu talk about this stuff. Uh, here we go. Uh, Magomed minus three ten favorite. So that's a pretty hefty level of favorite there. Um, uh, Ion's uh, Eon Ion is a, a plus two sixty underdog. Uh, I always like to do this when we haven't had you on for a while. For people who don't really know how those numbers work, the easiest way to uh, to translate those numbers, a plus number indicates an underdog. Okay. Um, underdogs mean you make more money. And if you take that underdog number, um, that is the amount of money you will win if you bet $100. So in this case, Ian Kutaleba is plus 260. You know, he's the underdog. He's the favorite. That means um, if you put 100 bucks down on Ian Kutaleba, you'll win $260 for that bet, plus your additional $100 back. So you'll net out with 360 um, having made $260. The opposite applies for your favorites. If it's a minus number, they're a favorite. You don't make as much money on it. 
Very simple formula. That number is how much money you would have to bet to win $100 back. According to Magomed, he's minus 310. You'd have to put $310 on the wager. And if he wins, you would win um, your $310 back and 100 bucks. So you can do the funny math if you are 50 bucks. I'll tell you what that'll look like um, as we move uh, as we move on through these. But let's uh, let's break down this this matchup here uh, between a pretty decent underdog uh, against uh, Magomed, who I know is a bit of a beast. Yeah, absolutely. And th- there's definitely a lot of history. Uh, so to give you a bit of a background on these guys, they have fought once before. So this is actually a rematch. Uh, they fought back in February of this year, and what happened was within about, you know, the first 30 seconds of the fight, Magomed Ankolaev strikes Ion Kutalaba. But what Kutalaba does is he starts to play possum a little bit. Mm. So he, he starts to make more of the strike than what it was. So he starts the to rope-a-dope act there. like... Yeah, exactly, the rope-a-dope. So he, has to, he starts to act like he's, you know, dazed and he's stumbling on his feet. So what happened was the referee in that moment stopped the fight. Because he was so believable, oh, somebody yeah, give yeah, him yeah. an Oscar, yeah. right? He was so believable in his performance of being dazed and confused in that situation that the referee stepped in and waved it off. All of a sudden, Ian Kutalab is furious. He's fuming. He's so angry that the referee stopped it and, and immediately just kind of like snaps back into it. He's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm perfectly okay. I'm perfectly fine. So really weird and strange and somewhat controversial ending to their first contest. And so the UFC essentially wanted to rebook this fight as soon as possible. And they've, and you won't believe this, they've booked this fight or the rematch like three times throughout the course of this year, 2020. It's almost like Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson light. And we've had yeah. <laughs> weight cutting issues. We've had people testing positive for COVID and not making the fight for a number of different reasons. But here we are. We're finally here. These two are going to finally have this rematch. We're finally going to find out who the better fighter is without any shenanigans. And I'm going to go with the favorite here, Damon. I'm going to go yeah. with Magomed Ankalaev. And we talked about win streaks, and this guy, he's like 14 and one. And the one loss that he actually has on his record was an insane, like, I think it's actually the the latest win in a three round fight in UFC history. Paul Craig submitted um, Magomed Ankalaev, and I was actually there for this fight in London, March of 2018, at four minutes and 59 seconds Mm. of the third round. And up until that moment, Paul Craig was getting absolutely <laughs> smashed. He was getting destroyed by this guy. And so it was like a, a miracle submission he threw on Magomed and then and, and he got the win. But outside of that small little blip, he's had a fantastic career. He wins pretty much all of his fights. And since that loss, he's been on a fantastic win streak. And with Ian Kutalaba, he's just been a little bit more inconsistent there are wins and losses on his record over the last kind of like four or five years. He he typically wins one, loses one, wins one, loses one. Yeah. Now, he lost to Ankalaev, so maybe, you know, according to the record, he's due a win. But yeah, if I'm going to put my money on anyone right now, it's going to be yet again another beast of a fighter hailing from Dagestan, Russia. He's part of that Khabib <laughs> tribe of fighters coming out and just killing everybody. I'm going with Magomed Ankalaev here. Yeah, all right. You practice fighting bears? You're good at UFC um, <laughs> yeah. or MMA. That uh, um, so here's the deal. So what we'll do is we're gonna up your up your uh, your bets here to 100 bucks. So we're gonna give you 100 bucks. We're gonna go 500 for this whole card. Just because I gave the explanation with 100 dollars, probably easier for me to translate it with the 100 dollars. Okay, so um, we're throwing 100 bucks down on uh, on Magomed. Um, you're gonna win back because he's a minus 310 favorite. Uh, about 32 bucks. Okay, so um, so it's not a uh, it's not a fantastically profitable win, but it'd be a, a great way to start this card is if you uh, if you get, you know, Mega Man comes out, wipes the floor with this guy, you get your hundred bucks back and you got 30 bucks of house money that you're, uh, that, that you're playing with. So, uh, so let's move on. Um, we got the, we got the ladies up next, Lauren Murphy um, versus uh, Lilia Shakarova. Um, I got that, you know, it's, it's my uh, uh, Eastern European heritage. I can, I can get those last names. You know, if it's like Ukrainian or Polish or whatever, I nail it every time. 
Um, it's just the weird first names and stuff that, that just they, it warps my brain a little bit. Um, right now, Murphy, uh, minus 225 favorite. Uh, Shakarova, uh, plus 190 underdog. So in terms of uh, the significance of these, uh, a pretty, that's a pretty significant uh, favorite in Murphy at minus 225. Um, plus 190, uh, plus 200 would be two to one. You could say it that way if you wanted to uh, translate the odds. So plus 190, approaching a two-to-one underdog for Shakarova here. Uh, break this sucker down for us. Yeah, and Lauren Murphy is the favorite for a good reason. For Number one, she's on a fantastic win streak. She's coming into this fight riding three wins in a row, two of them coming in 2020. So she's been very, very consistent this year. And the reason why she's a big favorite and why I'm going to pick her and put my money on her is she was originally supposed to be fighting Cynthia Calvillo on this card in this fight. And unfortunately, Cynthia uh, got COVID and had to pull out of the fight. And so Lauren Murphy's opponent here, Lilia Shakarova, is her last minute replacement. So you kind of don't really know how much preparation she's been able to put in if she's had a camp. Maybe she's just coming into fight week, draining herself, cutting the weight just so she can make it to the fight. This change happened, I mean, talking about the last week or so. And Lauren Murphy's coming in full of steam, um, full of momentum. She's obviously got this fantastic win streak. But more importantly, she's put in a seven, eight, nine, ten week training camp thinking she was going to fight one of the best in the division in Cynthia Calvillo. So that's an easy one for me. It's Lauren Murphy all day. Nice. Okay. 100 bucks on Lauren Murphy at minus 225. Um, is going to get us 44 bucks, 44, 44. We're placing that bet right now. So if you, uh, you're, you're almost back, uh, you almost got a free bet out of this. You're like at about $80, just about 80 bucks. Um, if these two favorites out the gates, um, um, happen to come through. So, you know, you got a couple of, couple of, uh, slam dunks here just to get your feet wet in this. So if you get Magamod and Lauren Murphy go, um, You've got your 200 bucks back in your original bets and you've almost made a hundred bucks. You almost made your next bet, um, up, which is, uh, going to be on, uh, either Phil Hawes or Jacob Malkoon. Another similarly, um, um, set up in terms of odds fight Hawes favorite minus 235. Jacob Malkoon, that even two to one at plus 200. Talk to me about these guys. Uh, I know that Hawes yeah. is, is, uh, this guy's a no, no. I wouldn't say a monster, but uh, this guy's this guy's not not to be uh, trifled with, as you might say in uh, in England. Yeah, absolutely. Phil Hawes, eight wins, and they've all come by finish. Yeah, he's you know, six of them have come by knockout or TKO, and two of them have come by submission. He doesn't go to decision, and he's one of these guys that he, he you know he had a great showing on Dana White's Contender series back in September. And anytime someone performs well on that show, Dana White, they immediately become one of Dana White's guys, right? Yeah. So he likes to put the guys that come off of his show, the show that has his name on it, onto these cards where it can it literally be like a showcase for them, to the, to the masses, right? But when you kind of peel the onion a little bit here, I think this fight and the matchmaking here really comes down to experience. Phil Hawes has 10 fights, He's obviously been on the contender series, whereas Jacob Malkoon, and again, this could very well be a situation where, hey, look, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There are certain fighters from certain parts of the world that have travel restrictions or we just can't get them into Vegas or in this case in Abu Dhabi. Jacob Malkoon is making his UFC debut and he's only four and oh in yeah. his mixed martial arts career. He's had four fights. That's it which is incredible. It's very rare that a fighter has four fights and then all of a sudden he's going to be signed you know, to the UFC and not just the UFC, but making their debut on a pay-per-view main card, one of the fights of the year. So just based on off of that lack of experience for Makun, the fact that Phil Hawes is a finishing machine, this is another easy pick for me. I'm picking Phil Hawes. Yeah, you're going all day on Phil Hawes. Yeah, I mean, that's just a tough place to be, especially with all the weirdness around fighting right now, like, and doing this. It's just like, okay, you got to get on plane. You got to fly to the other end of the world. Um, you got to quarantine. You got to, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like uh, if you had done this a few times, uh, you can adjust your routine a little bit. This dude's like, I mean, you know, you know as I'm talking through it, I'm like, well, maybe it's, it's, it, it, it's just normal for him. So maybe he'll... He'll react to it very differently, but it's really tough to go in and like, 
be four and zero oh and be going to fight some guy like Phil Hawes. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's uh, Malkoon is a phenomenal, phenomenal fighter, but uh, it's really tough to make a, a prediction on a guy um, with so few fights under his belt. Obviously, he's a freak and he's he's really good at what he does. Um, but that hundred bucks on Phil Hawes gonna make you another forty two bucks right there. Okay, so we've placed that bet. You got all three bets in. Three favorites mm-hmm. in a row here. Um, if you win all three of these, you're up about $125 on the day. Okay, but now we start getting into the real, the real good stuff here. Okay, uh, you want to talk about like like guys with fights under their belts? You know, Alexander Volkov has a million fights. He's fought a million times. He's like he's he. It doesn't feel like he's been around forever, but he guess I guess he has been around forever. Yeah. Um, and he's taken on Walt Harris, who is no uh, uh, spring chicken himself. Uh, Walt Harris is uh, over 20 fights um, in his career. And uh, Volkov takes on uh, Harris as a uh, a small, uh, a reasonably uh, well-suited favorite at minus 180, Walt Harris at plus 155. But these these odds are far more reasonable in terms of of being even here. you know, you're barely one and a half to one with Walt Harris. When you get to that plus 100 range, um, it's a really, that means, you know, odds makers are saying this is pretty tight. Uh, the person's an underdog, but for very, very limited reasoning. Um, so Volkov here at minus 180, uh, you know, that if, if we were doing underdogs all over again, um, you know, that's a, or sorry, if we're doing favorites all over again, we're... We're not making a ton of money off of Volkov, but we're, ma- we're certainly making a lot more than we are off of somebody like Phil Hawes. Um, you know, you know, hundred dollars on Volkov is going to win you almost sixty bucks. What's your feeling on uh, on another favorite here, or is Walt Harris going to come in and do a sneaky upset for us? Our first upset bet of the day. So I'll be honest with you, Damon. This is the fight that I'm most conflicted on. This yeah. is the one where I think it could literally go either way. So it's interesting to see where the money comes in, who wins, and what the payout of this particular fight is. Alexander Volkov, a couple of years ago, we all thought was going to be that dude. Yeah. He was coming into the UFC. He came up with a great win streak. The, the signature win that he got was a knockout of Fabrizio Verdum, the former UFC champion. And then after that, we thought, right, we're off for the races. This is going to be that next dude that's going to challenge Stipe Miocic you know, for the UFC Heavyweight Championship. And then he hits a stumbling block. He, he loses to Derek Lewis. He bounces back and gets a decision win over Greg Hardy, who, let's face it, he's not exactly top-tier, elite-level mixed martial artist right now. Maybe he will be in the future, but he's definitely athletic. And then Volkov loses to Curtis Blades via decision in what was a very one-sided bout back in June of this year. So that's the the background and the story on Alexander Volkov coming into this fight. And for Walt Harris, he's got, I think, half or less than half the number of fights and experience that Alexander Volkov has. But he's a big, strong, athletic, and explosive heavyweight. He had a massive opportunity against Alistair Overeem back in May of this year. But he lost. He lost to Overeem, yeah. who's obviously one of the greatest of all time in the heavyweight division. Then again, when you think about what was going on in his life at that time, you know, at the back end of 2019, the big story, obviously, with regards to Walt Harris was his stepdaughter, Anaya Blanchard, was, um, you know, kidnapped and eventually murdered. So when he was coming into this Overeem fight earlier on this year, you just could see, the, you know, there was so, such an emotional weight on his shoulders and who knows if that actually played a part and impacted his training camp and even performance in that fight seeing some interviews and some footage of how he's kind of landed in abu dhabi his general demeanor it seems like he's in a much better place obviously there's a bit more time has passed um he seems pretty focused and zeroed in and this is where my conflict is damon i I, I genuinely feel like this is a fight that could go either way and I'm giving you a prediction here with a bit of a gun to my head. I'm yep. gonna go. I'm gonna go with Volkov, okay. only because of the experience. I think okay. he's been in more fights, um, and I think he's got more tools that can, I guess, perhaps win the fight. I think Walt Harris's route to victory here is going to be a flash knockout or, or, or a ground and pound stoppage, whereas I think Volkov 
has the experience, can be a little bit, bit more nuanced in the cage, can perhaps eke out a decision and can obviously get a knockout himself as well. So I'm picking Volkov, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Walt Harris win. Yeah, this is and, and this is the thing. You're, you're right about these bets too. In, in normal circumstances, if I wasn't making you do it, you might not even bet on this one and just take a pass and go uh, yeah. get your popcorn and watch this sucker go. But I'm making you do it. Um, and I like your analysis. I like the idea that Volkov, uh, with his experience here, <clears throat> uh, can definitely do this. But it, yeah, I agree with you. The Walt Harris situation, I mean, it takes so much. So much of this sport is between the ears, and and that's a big deal. And, and, and they don't talk about it enough because a lot of fighters don't want to seem like they're weak in any way or make excuses. But camps are hard, are really, really hard to get through. Um, yeah. Even if it's the best camp you've had, you know, guys say it's the best camp. It's not like there was just sunshine and rainbows and everybody was like laughing the whole time. No, it means that they feel great because they, you know, they sharpened themselves to the point that they think that they're the best they can be through a lot of hard work, a lot of shitty dieting, a lot of really, really difficult sparring. You know what I mean? It's a good thing. And when you add factors into stuff, um, external things, that's why these guys like sequester themselves in Big Bear and shit and get out of it. You know, because it's like, it's so hard to stay focused and, uh, and you're absolutely right. And I don't think we put enough credence on how much, uh, just stuff that can happen. If you're like, you know what I mean? You just, you, 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 you got an annoying, like something going on in your family and it's maybe not like, you know, you know, a, a terminal illness or something, but there's some shit going on. It can really mess with you a little bit, you know? So anyways, yeah. I love uh, that you brought that up and I, I agree with you here, but we're, we're taking Volkov man to win 55 bucks for you. Next up, here's a guy that I thought had an opportunity to go and transcend and be the next and a charismatic, good-looking guy. Seems like a pretty nice dude, Robert Whitaker. Um, he, and he was he was crushing people too. You're like, holy shit, where'd this guy come from? He's gonna like put people out for a long time. Um, and now we got him on a like you know he's it's not like he's disappeared, um, but he's definitely a guy in what Robert Whitaker that um, um, needs to climb back in a little bit. Um, he's taking on Jared uh, uh, Cannonier. Did I do that right? Is that right? Nailed it. Yeah, I know. I thought so there. Uh, Jared <laughs> Cannonier here. Uh, and this is the tightest lines of the entire card, according to Bet Online. Um, they're both in the minus category here, which is, wow. it's, it's, it's not rare you see that, but that means it's basically a pick em, and the money that's coming in is moving this around here and there. Um, so right now, um, Robert Whitaker is at minus 109 and Jared Cannonier is at minus 111. This is, this is basically even there's, there's, there's pennies that, you know, in profitability on either side of these gentlemen here. And this is basically a coin flip in terms of odds. This is a pick em. Where are you picking, Sandu? Well, this is where business really picks up on this UFC pay-per-view main card. You're, you're obviously buying this pay-per-view for the Khabib, Nomagomedov versus Justin Gaethje fight, but this co-main event is as good as it gets. This, as a standalone fight, could easily headline a UFC fight night card. And there are some genuine stakes here. Israel Adesanya has pretty much gone out and said that the winner of this fight is pretty much going to be fighting him for his middleweight championship next. If it's Kananir, then that will execute a four-fight win streak. That's a slam dunk. He's going to fight Israel Adesanya next. If Robert Whittaker wins, it's a rematch. The UFC loves making rematches of uh, former champions and title fights that have gone by. And so there's some genuine stakes here. I want to talk about Robert Whittaker first because since losing to Israel Adesanya, He's bounced back in tremendous fashion. He beat Darren Till earlier in the year over the summer. He beat him by unanimous decision. We're talking about two of the best in that weight class. And, you know, a win over here over Kananir, and he'll get right back to Israel Adesanya. And he was never really impressed or happy with how he performed right. against Adesanya. Yeah. But prior to the Adesanya fight, Robert Whitaker was an absolute world beater. He is still, in my opinion, Outside of Adesanya, the best middleweight on the planet right now. Like, if you look at his record, prior to the Adesanya fight, he beat Yoel Romero twice, Ronaldo Jacare Souza, Derek yes. Brunson, and the list just goes on and on. So this is a massive fight for Robert Whitaker, especially if he wants to secure that rematch, not just for the title, but specifically to fight Adesanya again and try and right the wrongs of that first fight. And then Jared Kananir, what a fascinating career this guy has had. He started out as a heavyweight comes across a few losses and then changes 
to light heavyweight. So he drops down in weight, gets a few wins. Then he stumbles, has a few losses. Then he moves down to middleweight. So think about that. This guy went from heavyweight to light heavyweight to middleweight. And it's that middleweight where he's had his best run, his best success in yeah. the UFC, and where he's essentially looked at peace with his body, his shape, his physique. He's been able to fight at his absolute best and peak at this weight class. So I think all along, he should have been a middleweight. He just didn't cut the weight, and he just kind of lounged around at heavyweight, made a little bit of an effort at light heavyweight. There's a, there's a lot more effort required for him to shred down, cut the weight to make 185 pounds, but he's done it. And boy, he's pulled off some fantastic wins. All have been finishes. David Branch, he knocks him out in the second round. Anderson Silva, one of the greatest of all time, defeats him via TKO, via leg kicks in the first round. And then the one, in my opinion, that holds the most water here, he defeats Jack Hermanson via TKO in the second round a year ago, in September of 2019. Jack Hermanson is like a top five, top six, currently ranked UFC middleweight. He'll be fighting Darren Till in a matter of weeks. So nothing to sniff out there. So the most important thing about Cannoneer is, is at middleweight, he's undefeated. At middleweight, he's coming into this fight with a three-fight win streak. And at middleweight, he knows that a win on Saturday secures him a UFC middleweight title shot against Israel Adesanya. And I'm not going to pick him. I'm going to pick Robert Whittaker, Damon. Ooh. I'm going to go to the guy that once held the title. I'm going to go with the guy that, in my opinion, you know, there's levels to this game. You know, you can be a UFC fighter. Then you can be a top 20 UFC fighter. Then you can be a top 10 guy. Then you can be a top five guy. Then you can maybe, you know, challenge for the championship. But then there's the elite level. The guys that are able to get over that hump win a championship, defend the championship, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, and Robert Whittaker is that dude. He's an elite-level middleweight UFC fighter. Jared Cannonier, much respect to this guy, but I'm going to pick Robert Whittaker, the Reaper. Well, well, you got me you got me really stoked for this fight now. <laughs> I'm really, I, I really am. I'm really stoked. So your hundred bucks is going to almost make you a hundred bucks back because the odds are so tight here. Right. Um, so you win 90 bucks back off that. That's, that's, that's your real winner there. If you take this one, um, you're in really good shape for, um, for the main event of this card. Uh, and I do have to say, you've kind of changed my mind on Whitaker a little bit there. Just talking about like, he is a stud, man. He is so good. Um, and you're just like rekindling these feelings of like when he, when he was a champ, I was just like, I thought he could be, he, he was going to be around for a very, very, very long time. Um, and, uh, and you know what? He's, he's turning a corner here and, uh, this is going to be it though. If you can beat a guy of this caliber, um, handily on uh, a co-main event card like this, you're, you're absolutely right. This, uh, this puts him right back in it and, uh, okay. Yeah, I gotcha. We're, we're, we're rolling now and then let's get ourselves into the big fella here. Gatchi and Khabib. Um, here's the deal, guys. Khabib is a is a freaking favorite here. He's he is the biggest favorite on the board of the main um, the main card. Um, you got to go way way down into like the I think like the prelims. Miranda Maverick. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, facing like a, just the greenest fighter on the card to see a, a, a line of this magnitude right now. Um, cause Khabib is sitting at minus three thirty four as a favorite putting Justin Gaethje at plus two seventy four. This is one of those kind of emotional sort of, um, matchups, right. For people, because I don't think anybody would disagree terribly with these odds. I think there's a, a sane person out there that would just be like, what the, what are you talking about? Gatsy should be the favorite here. He's a knockout. Like, I don't really think anybody's, you know, talking themselves logically into that conclusion. But I will tell you this. It's really easy to be a very big fan of Justin Gatsy, isn't it? Like, it really is. Just how he does it, how he conducts himself, how he fights, the who he beats, the way he beats them, the way he talks about it. Um, the person that he is perceived as, um, it's really, really hard not to root for this guy, isn't it? 
It really is. I mean, this guy, 22 wins, 19 by knockout, yeah. one by submission. He's only been to decision twice in his entire career. And none of the, those decisions have come in the UFC. So during his UFC run, during the run where he's you know fought the best of the best, had the stiffest competition, none of his fights go to decision. It just is remarkable. Justin Gaethje is kind of like, an action fighter, you know exactly what you're going to get with a Justin Gaethje fight. This is the kind of fight and a fighter that you're going to get your money's worth. You know what you're paying for here. Justin Gaethje, you know, he came into the UFC, scored a massive win over Michael Johnson, and we thought, wow, okay, here's a guy that was a champion for a different promotion. The UFC got him into their roster. He scores a big win, and now we're off to the races. But then immediately, he hits a few stumbling blocks. He loses to Eddie Alvarez, and then he loses to Dustin Poirier. Yeah. And at that point, we're thinking, okay, yeah. was the hype really real with this guy? You know, it, w- was he ever really that good? Is he ever going to really kind of compete with the best of the best in the UFC? And then, man, this run of wins, first round knockout of James Vick, first round knockout of Edson Barboza, first yeah. round TKO win yeah. over Donald Cerrone, and then the big one. If you go right back to the beginning of the pandemic, when the whole sports landscape changed, we were supposed to get Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov finally back at UFC 249. COVID restrictions in Russia uh, and Abu Dhabi and that part of the world kept Khabib on the other side uh, of the the planet. And then all of a sudden they called Justin Gaethje and they said, hey, you want to fight Tony Ferguson for the interim UFC lightweight title? He said, yep, sign me up. And what we saw was uh, not a one-sided, but close oh, to a clinic. It was, it was a, almost a clinic, yeah, right? It, it was a like, certifiable, Tony, like, cl- like, I thought it was so amazing what he did there. Surprisingly, yeah. too. I mean, yeah, maybe the amazingness um, is amplified by the fact that I didn't see that shit coming. And it was awesome. Yeah, I was picking Tony Ferguson. And Tony <laughs> Ferguson definitely had a few moments in the fight. But, yo, Justin Gaethje didn't just go to decision and win this final scorecard. He finished Tony Ferguson late in the fifth round. And so anytime you can beat Tony Ferguson, who was like riding a 12-fight, seven-year, eight-year win streak, something ridiculous like that, bang, you have just punched your ticket. You're going to be fighting for the undisputed championship. You're going to be fighting Khabib Nurmagomedov. And I think this recent run of wins that Gaethje has had in the UFC has kind of a, surprised a lot of people, but I think everyone has also been very impressed with how he's kind of almost fit, you know, finessed his overall game. He used to be the kind of berserker mode fighter yeah, that will yeah, perhaps yeah. take two to give one. And I think on this recent run and recent stretch of wins he's put together, he's just more of a clinical, more strategic. There's there's a lot more strategy uh and game plan, you know, implemented into his fights. And we saw that in the Tony Ferguson fight. That being said, he's taking on arguably the greatest lightweight of all time. He's taking on someone that is 28 and 0. He is taking on someone that is undefeated, the undisputed lightweight champion, someone that has not only won all of his fights, but he's only, I think, lost one or two rounds in his entire career. So this is a guy that doesn't even lose a single round you know, 99 times out of 100. Yeah, right? crazy. He, he's fighting the best of all time in Khabib Nurmagomedov at 155 pounds. Obviously, we can just reel off Khabib's resume, which is just stellar. Like, in, the, in his UFC run, he's taken out guys like Ally Quinta, Edson Barboza, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. However, he's coming into this fight with a bit of a heavy head. Obviously, it's well-documented. The story's out there. He lost his father, who was a massive influence, not just on who he is as a human being, as a man, but as a fighter. You know, his father was also his coach. And uh, his father passed away earlier this year. This is his first fight of 2020. It's his first fight since defeating Dustin Poirier a year ago in Abu Dhabi. And it's also his first fight without having his father by his side in his corner as a part of his team and as a part of his camp. I think he's going to arise to the occasion, uh, Damon. I think this is going to be an opportunity for Khabib to pay tribute to his dad. He's not just fighting for the championship. He's fighting for the memory of his father. And I think all of those emotions and all of those feelings 
will be compounded in the effort he brings and puts forward in the octagon. I'm going to pick Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, for probably one of the easiest reasons to pick him, which is I rarely go against an undefeated fighter, period. Now, it's it's one thing to perhaps have uh, a reason to go against an undefeated fighter who is maybe 7-0, 8-0, 11-0, 12-0. But when you're 28 and 0, yeah, I'm not picking against you. So I'm picking to be there. Yeah, it's totally. Hey, you're only going to make 30 bucks off that bet if it goes through. But I just it cannot in good conscience either place any money on, on Gath G. Even though, like, everything we talk about, it's like he's super duper awesome. But there's just that, like, there's so many factors at this point. When you look in this specific sort of opponent for a guy... It was like when GSP was like at his peak. You really, he had a bunch of close title defenses, but you, that experience, you got to go in and beat a champ. You know what I mean? You really got to go yeah. in and just beat them. And, and, and even though, um, you know, you, you could tell GSP's uh, heart might not have been in it as much as it was a few years earlier, just that volume of experience and confidence and craftiness as a veteran between the ears being so mentally strong. It was really. It would have been really, really fucking hard for anybody to knock that guy off, and I think that uh, Khabib is is in that situation now. That he is on such a high pedestal that what Gathji would have. Sure, Gathji's capable of knocking out anybody, right? He's gonna dance around, and he put a freaking clinic on his last fight, and you did the most unexpected thing against what everybody thought was probably a better striker than any than anyone saw, and or more crafty one. And and at that case. Um, I don't know what he's got in his toolbox, though, that's going to solve um, the Khabib puzzle here. And even if he does, even if he manages to have this game plan, so the blueprint is so perfect, you got to go in there and you got to beat this guy. You know what I mean? And I don't know. Yeah. I don't see that happening. Um, I see, uh, I don't see it being that close. I probably see it, it hitting the under four and a half rounds if we're going to do a round pick. Um, I think it's a it's a ground and pound textbook prototypical Khabib uh, um, um, drag you into the water and drown you situation. But even in the best case scenario for somebody like Justin Gassi here, um, I don't know if he knocks him out. I don't know um, what he does or what he can do that's going to compete with the best things that uh, that Khabib's got. Yeah, look, if Justin Gaethje beats Khabib Nurmagomedov this weekend, we have a new superstar on our hands. Yeah. We have the guy, like, if you can be the guy that hands Khabib his very first L, yo, the Holy I don't shit. know what your ceiling yep. is going to be after that because that's going to be a hell of a moment. There's going to be so much talk and debate and chatter. It's going to be a real explosive storyline coming out of this situation if Justin Gaethje wins. I think a lot of people are expecting Khabib to do what we've always seen him do, which is drag Justin Gaethje down, just maul him, smash him, and you know get that ground and pound stoppage. Maybe even a, a submission victory via a rear naked choke or something. Justin Gaethje's path to victory here is going to be to stay in the middle of the octagon, Avoid those takedowns, have a really good sprawl, try and keep the fight standing. And if he can do that, maybe he can pick away at Khabib and try and drag this fight out over 25 minutes and try and get the, the win over the judges' scorecards. The one thing I would say that's fairly underrated about Khabib is his boxing and striking in general isn't that bad because he implements that in a way where there's a level change. He'll He'll punch you and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're on your back and he's taking you down. So yeah, Justin Gaethje definitely has a, a mountain to climb. He, he knows he's the underdog. We all know he's the underdog. Um, but yeah, Khabib Nurmagomedov, we're talking about, like I said, one of the, one of the greatest of all time. He's just an elite. He's the best of the best. He's arguably one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world. And should he win this weekend, Damon? Well, then we're talking about, you know, he's talking about George St. Pierre maybe coming out of retirement <laughs> yeah. for a super fight. Uh, we're talking about maybe a rematch with Conor McGregor if Conor McGregor beats Dustin Poirier in January. So, and, and, and you know what? Everyone was kind of thinking, well, his father passed away. His father's dream was always for Khabib to reach 30-0. and 0. He's 28-0 and 0 now. If he wins this weekend, he'll be 29-0. and 0. So that 30-0 and 0 fight will have a lot of significance in his career. And then maybe he'll retire. 
this week, he's basically come out and said, hey, I don't know why people keep talking about me retiring. I don't feel like going anywhere. I still feel like competing, which is which is awesome because that's what yeah. we want, right? We want the best in the world in their prime, at their peak, a legitimate bona fide superstar, a champion to continue fighting for as long as possible because it means we get more fights, we get more things to talk about, and we get to see some more incredible moments in this sport. So I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a guy... Yeah, I mean, he's going to be, if he goes 30-0, and 0, if he just goes like undefeated for, for his career, which has basically never been done before, right? There's not many. He's only 32. By the way, in MMA years, it's not, this isn't basketball years. This isn't soccer or right. tennis years, right? 32 is like, oh, you're just getting into your prime right now. Yeah. You know, like, like it's not the 28 to 32 window that exists in most sports here. He's, it's, in, in MMA, it's like 32 to 36, is where you're you're really you're 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 dialed in. So um, um, yeah, this guy's just getting started. He's obviously going to take on um, whoever they throw at him here. But I just don't see um, Gathji being able to. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be like every time you say it. Like the more I think about it too, I know with Gatchi wants to keep it in the middle. Oh yeah, he stuffs takedowns. But uh, Khabib's great at just baiting you into it. He's like, oh, I'll stand with you for a bit. Yeah. And then you go, oh, okay, this guy wants to stand. Bang, you're down on your back, right? You don't even know. A lot of guys try that, right? It's it's obviously a theory of everybody who who wants to grapple or submit somebody. Um, he just does it in a way that like uh, we've just never seen before, where his ability to 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 get you to commit to standing and then transition that to the ground, it's it's just uncanny, right? It's, it's he's so strong, he's so fast. Um, yeah, I don't see what happens. And uh, and th- there you go. Let's do a quick review here, okay? Um, we're going to start the, the, the Ankalaev. We got all, all favorites here, except for the Whitaker fight, by the way, right? We got a minus 334, um, minus 310 with Ankalaev, Lauren Murphy, minus 225, Phil Haas, minus 235, Volkov, less of a, of a favorite, but at minus 180, Whitaker at 109, and then Khabib at the 334 there. So, um, in total, we're not going to, we're not going to go buy a yacht after this UFC, Right. Um, but we're going to do well. We're going to have paid for handily um, our fun and our beers and buying the pay-per-view. Handily that with uh, with maybe some extra money aside for some nachos. Um, <laughs> you can get the Uber Eats, some, uh, yeah, some, some, uh, maybe some burgers over to the fam. So uh, yeah, if you're watching it in your bubble, you're more than happy to pay for um, your watching of USC 254. Sandu MMA. What are people going to find you on the uh, internet machine so they can go uh, check out all the shit you got? Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Those are the three platforms that I'm really active on constantly every single day. My handle is, like Damon said, at Sandu MMA. And I'm just there to give you guys news, my opinion, perhaps talk about some rumors and some fun content. So give me a follow if you're interested. Yeah, you do really have fun content too, uh, Sandu. It's not just like um, you know, news. Oh, here's the news. Here's the news. It's everywhere. Uh, you got good polls up on, on, on stuff. Um, there's some good interaction. You do some funny shit. It's really good. Um, it's it, yeah, a preferable go-to place for MMA news when there's a lot of MMA news out there. You got, uh, you got a good, uh, a good angle on most of the stuff. We appreciate you doing this. Of course, find Sandu. Yeah. It's at Sandu MMA. He's going to come on uh, for every major UFC and we're going to talk and break it down and we're going to give him some money and he's going to bet on it. And we're going to see if we can make him go broke before the end of the year. That's really <laughs> what we, we're, we're trying to do here. I mean, I'm happy for him when he wins, but man, it would be fun um, if it just, if it just all went backfired because that's the funny <laughs> shit to talk about. I'm Damon D. This of course is the under review show. I will see you tomorrow because we're going to talk NFL uh, week seven? What the hell's going on? Holy crap. I can't believe we're here already. UFC 254 on Saturday. Check it out. Head to betonline.ag. Sign up there to get in on UFC 254. Maybe challenge Sandu for uh, for hit, for the title of uh, making the most money this week. Uh, I know I'm going to do my best to try to do that. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Adios, muchachos. Muchachos.